Hello there, it's another edition of the Selbia's Godcast from Las Vegas, Nevada, alongside TJ Zuppi. I'm Zach Meisel. We are joined at Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino by Ryan Lewis of the Akron Beacon Journal. What's going on, Ryan? Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, I, I'm doing good too, by the way. I'm over here. Yeah, okay. Uh, in a bad mood already. Day two of the winter meetings. Recording this on Tuesday, we've got another 48 hours or so here before all the teams will head back to their respective cities and kind of mull over what all went down here and, and where they stand with trade negotiations, free agent negotiations, and whatnot. What have you made from your first 36 hours of Specifically, the winter meetings. Ryan has also been in Vegas a lot longer than anyone should be. Uh, but just this event in this sort of setting, what have you? What have you made of it? I think it's just a situation where you may be able to bring some people together in a in a quicker setting than normal. Um, we were talking with the Antonian Chernoff yesterday, and they were joking about how they got to. Uh, sneak out of the room for lunch, and that was a big deal for them. And it's um, it's just a it's a borderline circus and a, a little mini city that just converges, and um, it's just a whirlwind of news and rumors and a lot of discussions and texts and losses in blackjack and, and a lot of bullshit. Let's just put that out there. So a much lot bullshit. Of bullshit. I can say that, can I? Yeah, you I can. can't write that. No shit. Yeah, that, no, there's a lot of bullshit a lot of that happens. Let it all here. out. Anything else you want to that's say fun. that you normally can't say or write? Yeah, I don't ever want to play that poker game again that, that you brought me to, ever. We don't need to talk about that here. No, we don't, but that was really bad. I mean, there's a lot of conversations people are having with almost everybody. Teams are considering almost anything, including the Indians, when it comes to the types of returns that they're talking about for Kluber and Bauer. They have talked about established major leaguers. They've talked about guys that are way down in the lower levels of the minor leagues. They have talked about almost anything with anybody, and that's the whole purpose of an offseason, to not only gauge what things you're going to do, but also how teams value your players, give you a better sense on throughout the season. If you get to a point where you might be interested in a player, you've already had discussions, you've had a a baseline established where you can draw from it and then there's just so much shit thrown at the wall that really doesn't mean a freaking thing when it comes to all the rumors that are out there maybe three percent of the things that get thrown out there actually end up happening so you have to have your filter up a little bit and sort of take everything with a grain of salt well you try anything once right especially in vegas so i think <laughs> like, yeah. Putting I mean, that place we ate lunch yesterday. A team. When the Yelp review says two stars, <laughs> I think you bolt as quickly as possible. Right? Mistakes well, were made. Well, yeah. you you read the Yelp review aloud. I'm pretty sure the waiter heard and then made and then, sure we ordered <laughs> so we, we could had leave. We had like three waiters, including the manager, who I think kept his hand on Ryan's shoulder. Jordan. For maybe Jordan's shoulder, Jordan Bastion, now of uh, Cubs.com, uh, the trader. I think he kept his hand on his shoulder for what, like three minutes as he was talking, just making it very personable? It definitely well beyond normal decorum. <laughs> so I think it. he thought we were one of those secret shopper Yelp reviewer type uh, of people. That's what I think happened. If only. But 
Like, if you're the Indians, yeah, yeah you might as well explore anything and everything. Uh, but I think we keep coming back to this, and I, I don't want to rehash things we've talked about in each of, like, the last 12 podcasts. But there are very limited avenues in which they can get better, and they have to get better, that don't involve st- trading a starting pitcher. And I want to kind of get Ryan's take on this. Like, if you're Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff and you're sitting up there, do you feel like you have no choice but to trade either Kluber or Bauer? If they want to reallocate the resources like they'd like to, I don't think there's another avenue where they can get the price tag that they want. And the, the first step of, of any trade is to say, okay, we'd like to move this and we'd like to get package X in return. But that's the really easy part. The harder part is to find the team that also lines up with you in terms of need, surplus, opportunity. Um, and so whether or not they'd rather move Kluber or Bauer or a position player, I don't think that's going to matter as much as what they can get in return for that player. There's very rarely, I think, are you going to find just an easy avenue for the perfect trade that just works for everybody. And you're, you're, you're going to have to kind of fudge the numbers a, a little bit in your favor if you can to try to get the package that you want. Um, but Kluber and Bauer have the type of, of price tag that the Indians, I think it's pretty clear, the Indians don't want to move off of whatever their perceived value of those players are on the open market, they don't want to move off of that kind of pedestal at all. And I think kind of the key is to try to be patient but also diligent in terms of wanting to to make the move that you need and valuing those guys like you have all offseason and not trying to panic or move off of that that, that value. It's hard. It it has to be really difficult to see different moves being made and, and hearing different things about different teams and not pulling the trigger on something right now. Well, I mean, but, I have a, not to cut you off, but I have, a, I have a pretty, knowing what we know about how they go in these negotiations with the sorts of price tags that they have. Is this pr- before the talks intensify? <laughs> yes, it's well before they intensify. I, I don't think when it comes to Kluber or Bauer, they're going to budge too much off of that. The, the thing you want to avoid, and Zach, we've talked about this for many podcasts, is the need to feel like you have to do this. Right. You cannot, regardless of whether or not you can change the rest of your roster, they can't make this move because they feel like they're pressured to have to do it. Because when you feel that pressure, that's when you're prone to make mistakes. You can't make, or it's unfortunate when you have to make deals from a sense of desperation. And they maybe got to that point last year with the bullpen. And to their credit, they remained patient through a long stretch of games that were really tough to watch with that bullpen blowing it every single night. And they end up coming away with guys they felt were controllable, fit what they needed, didn't end up going their way in the postseason, as we know. But you don't want to be in a position where you feel like you have to make that trade because teams know when you have to make a deal, too, and they're not going to – go to the table and give you exactly what they want if they know that you don't have the capability of walking away. Now, yesterday in the suite, they assured us that they they have enough of their safeguards, as they put it, in place, that they're going to feel comfortable walking away. And I hope that's the case. It needs to be the case for a deal like this because you're risking a pretty substantial thing in breaking up a rotation that has been the backbone and what they have said is going to lead them deep into the postseason year after year after year. You know, we've talked about the reasons why it makes sense, but just because it makes sense doesn't mean that every trade makes sense. And it does get 
you know, as you get closer to the finish line, I think it gets a little bit more nerve-wracking for fans to think about it because you're trying to thread a pretty thin needle here. It's not to say it can't be done. And in the past, they've made some pretty uh, substantial moves that ended up paying off. But, but none still, like this. But still, this is so unique where they're looking to trade one of their guy, one of their frontline starters in the midst of a period of time where they're still trying to win the division and ultimately win the World Series. It's a really weird position to be in. I know we're seeing a few teams sort of in a similar position. The Cubs are the one that comes to mind. They're trying to shift Milwaukee. around their payroll, Milwaukee too. But it leaves you with, with fewer teams that you can converse with because maybe the Reds don't match up quite as well as the Dodgers do as far as timelines go for the players that you would get back. But what happens if the Reds or the Braves or the Padres or anybody else that's seeking a frontline starter actually offers you the better package as far as value goes, but it doesn't line up with your timeline? That's what I'm, that's what I'm really going to be int- intrigued to see what they do uh, when it comes down to it because, as they said yesterday, they're less concerned with the timelines as far as when they're all going to slide in in the next few years is they're more concerned with how do we get the best package possible yeah ideally you'd get someone who can help you in 2019 fortify your lineup a little bit and also get pieces that are going to help you in the future too and, and extend this window but you're right like and i feel like we've said this a lot i think with each passing day they lose a tiny bit of leverage and teams know and, and the other teams need to get on with their off seasons too you know if the Dodgers really want Kluber they can't wait around till January to to figure out if they can make a move because if they're going to be dealing some outfielders they might need to get in the Nick Castellanos sweepstakes or the Bryce Harper sweepstakes so it's this is like you know everything in Vegas is like on steroids you know your <laughs> meal the portion size is huge the price is huge you're blowing more money than you ever would at the Cleveland Casino, maybe, or a Cleveland restaurant, and, like, it's the same thing with this. doing it with a smile. Yeah. <laughs> your trade talks when you're sitting in your office at Progressive Field, like, they're, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing that they are more intensified here, just in terms of you're having them more frequently, you're under the same roof, you can meet in person, I think they're just more real and it kind of pushes you closer to that finish line where and the thing is the Indians could get to the finish line have final deliberations and realize you know what yeah. we just we aren't going to get the value for Kluber or Bauer that makes this a, a slam dunk for us so we're not going to do it at all and that kind of leads me to my what I wanted to talk about though which is if they don't make this sort of trade what can they do you know if they Find someone to take Encarnacion and his twenty million dollars. Is is do they have a, is that enough money to go fill all the holes in this roster? Can they can they find someone to take Kipnis? But do, is there any other way to do this? I mean, they've already traded Gomes, so that's that's one step, and you you can't undo that. So and, and yesterday, to even build off of that, I mean, we tried to nail them down a few times on kind of the idea of payroll. Is it? Is it, a, is it a massaging of the payroll to redistribute it elsewhere? Is it trying to cut the payroll? Is it, do you have the capability to increase even a little bit? And Antonetti, as kind of as normal for him, 
sidestepped it. Well, he said didn't directly addressed. He said it. he was being honest that he didn't know. Do you buy that? <laughs> no, I do. You I buy think, that the I Indians came to the winter pretty, meetings not knowing if they could have a one hundred ninety million dollar payroll or a one hundred ten million. I think they have a payroll? pretty substantial idea of what they want to do. But what I, th- in listening to him and then reading it back and then transcribing, reading it back again, it felt like to me what he was more saying is that there are several different scenarios here where the payroll can end up in multiple different places. And he didn't want to, for a certainty, say that the payroll is going to decrease, stay the same, increase, because he doesn't know where it's going to end up. And they're not going to, say they clear some payroll in one of these trades, but they don't find a player or a situation that is worth spending that extra money on at that very moment. He doesn't want to feel like he's already said they're going to, and now they're not going to, and that he lied in that situation. They're not going to spend the money just to spend the money. They're looking for the right opportunities. And if that includes, this is just me coming up with a scenario, but say A.J. Pollock falls into yeah. a, uh, a realm where uh, Michael Bourne did a couple of years ago, Nick Swisher did a couple of years ago, or even Edwin Encarnacion. Now, maybe those aren't all the greatest deals to point to, but when a unique situation falls in their lap, they've shown that they're willing to go about things in a different manner than we're typically accustomed to seeing. And that's what I almost felt like he was saying, that if they get to a position where somebody falls into their lap and now they're going to be adding payroll as opposed to cutting it, that they're not opposed to doing that. But it all depends on the situation, the timeline, who it is, who they believe in, those sorts of things. They do have a lot of money coming off after 2019. Kipnis, Encarnacion, I think there are others. Alonzo, if they want. Alonzo, yeah. But so, there is, like, there is... 522 plate appearances, okay. There is flexibility. (laughs) No more than that. If they can, especially with Carrasco now locked up, like, you can kind of see where maybe, and maybe it's not this winter, maybe it's next winter, but, like, there's probably going to be an opportunity to go add, like, someone on a four-year, $60 million deal, something like that. But, all right, Ryan, you're Chris Antonetti. What the hell are you doing? I think I do move Kluber or Bauer, and it's, but it's not, you know, I think Chernoff was saying yesterday that it's not always as simple as a situation where you know that you're rebuilding and you're trying to build your farm system, or you know that you have to contend this year right now, and that direction is very clear. The Indians are kind of trying to fight a, a, a war on two fronts here where they're, they're just trying to reallocate the resources in a way that they can compete now and sort of move their chess pieces to set up, to set themselves up possibly to make more of a run in free agency next winter if they want to, if they find some club options. It's just really setting up their pieces the way that they want to now and in the future. And that's that's a more difficult thing to do where you're, you're casting a wider net on your possibilities, but in terms of the players that you want to acquire, you're actually sort of narrowing that window. Um, you, well, and it's like, like one move that you make is going to have a domino effect too. Because if you go a certain direction, then you probably have to do other... Like, that's why I thought the Gomes trade was setting us up for a Kluber or a Bauer trade because you're clearly going to use that seven... I mean, we think you're going to use that $7 million you've saved on the bullpen or the outfield, but that's probably not enough to fix all your issues. So then now you're going to trade Kluber or Bauer, and then you're going to have quite a bit to, to be able to sign some relievers, something like that. And the, the big variable here is we don't know where the what their window of payroll actually is. Right. And so what... What I took away from what Turnoff said is that they're not operating with a concrete number that they just do whatever you want but stay under this number. It, it is a situation where they can be flexible, and if, if the right thing comes along, they, they can 
extend beyond their means, which which they've they've done for a couple of years now. Um, but they're not going to they're not going to spend it just to spend it. And I correct. and I agree with that to an extent. But if you get into the season and you didn't spend the mo- the extra money that maybe you freed up, and glaring issues in the outfield or the bullpen are sitting there, and nothing was done to address it, and that money, the, you know, the payroll is, has gone down semi significantly, then that is absolutely going to be a fair criticism of them. You can't not spend the money, still have the holes, and not address it ever, and then say, well, you know, this is just what's happened. Well, no, you had an opportunity you created for yourself. I understand the whole idea of spending it on the right people, and I don't think you should just go out there and just throw money at people, but certainly it'll be within the realm of criticism if they don't address some of their issues with the money that yeah. they've cleared up. Right. If I'm, if I'm Antonetti and I can get the value that I perceive is fair or even beyond fair for me, this outfield right now, this outfield outlook is just so barren and the bullpen has so many holes that... Yeah, I, I think I would do one of those guys. And, and the question remains, if, if you move Kluber, say you get Verdugo and a couple of the pieces that aren't going to cost you a lot, they're going to be able to play now, you're going to have control over them. That's, that's almost the perfect situation if you can get that value. But how much of that $17 million that you just saved is going to be reallocated back into the roster? Yeah. And I, they're, they're in a position where I, I understand wanting to move pieces around because the roster is a little more top-heavy. But that money also needs to be able to be used in a in a valuable way, sort of along lines of what you're saying. But they they can't just save that money and, and, and go home and say and say that they're done. Yeah, if it's not used, like if the payroll drops from 140 to 110, and like they trade Kluber and, and don't sign a couple of free agent relievers or a free agent outfit or something like, the fans deserve to skewer them the, the front office It'd and ownership. Long time. We will have to do that and not think twice about it. Um, I'm still like they haven't said that that's the case. Anyone who thinks that that's going to happen is just completely well, assuming things that I think it's the same thing that they do with with injuries and guys on rehab and a lot of times things get read into non-committal towards things, but I just don't think they like to promise anything to anybody because they realize things come up, situations yeah. change. And they never want to be put in a position where they said one thing and did another. And so that's why they always keep it so vague, whether it's with injuries, their payroll, whatever. It's that they don't want to ever be held to what they said. Now, it gets really frustrating for us. It gets really frustrating for the fans. That's not to say I don't understand why they do what they do. Uh, people like when we talk fake trades. Let's go. It, the Dodgers seem to make the most sense, don't they? Do we agree on this? Verdugo yeah. checks all the boxes for what the Indians you would perceive would be looking for. Yeah. Is he, As the beginning is he of the enough of a centerpiece? He's like the... He is the minimum standard of a centerpiece in my mind. So that secondary piece better be The secondary pretty, yeah. and tertiary pieces oh. need to be... Did you just Google that? Need to be... That? You look do that not up. look at my Google search history. Get out of here. Uh, those pieces... Yeah, you need more. <laughs> It, it, it kind of sucks from a standpoint of, like, Kluber for Bellinger, just one for one, is a win for the Indians. Even though, like, the Dodgers could get away with that. They have enough outfield depth. They can go sign Bryce Harper if they really wanted to. Um, I don't think they're going to move Bellinger. I, I think that's out. I'm sure the Indians asked. That was probably the first thing they mentioned. Knowing them, they probably asked for Bellinger, Verdugo, 
uh, knowing them, they've probably Bueller, Kershaw, they've probably asked multiple times, including once today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you sure? I tried are to you get. Sure? I, are you now? sure? We, we tried so hard to get Antonetti to kind of admit that they were like annoying, pestering other teams and asking for way too much, but of course, he didn't want to get into that. But what, like, what's what's a sensible deal for both teams? Because like Verdugo. He's 22. He's had some big league experience, so he's he's pretty much ready to be an everyday player. He can hit. He's a left-handed hitter, but he can hit lefties and righties. He he seems like a plus bat. Like uh, some people have said, he, he kind of reminds him of Michael Brantley, guy who doesn't strike out much, high on base percentage, not going to hit 40 home runs, but maybe 15. Uh, but and a uh, cannon of, of an arm. And that's not to say he can't add power potential. It's a really good player. I think the issue... It's a great start. Yeah, issue fans have, and I, and I understand it, is you're dealing Kluber, who's finished in the top three of the Cy Young voting, I think, for the last six years, and you're getting back a question mark. We don't know exactly what Verdugo would be, and there's probably going to be growing pains. Like, I don't know that you're going to be a better team in 2019. Now, throw Jock Peterson in there. And maybe a starting pitcher. They have plenty. Alex Wood, Kenta Maeda. Um, I think if you're a... taking any salary back, then that opens up the possibility to have a fourth piece in this. Yeah, I was going to say a prospect. Like if I know that, that catching just, prospect. If you're Will clearing Smith. just the 17 million, then I probably would be able to find a way to get back three pieces. If I'm taking back any sort of salary whatsoever, I'm going to want probably one additional thing. Not something of great value but something useful to me for taking back that salary but here's the issue and this is what i want to ask for chris sale the white Sox, i know he hasn't panned out yet and it's a little different because the white Sox were rebuilding and they just wanted to accumulate really high projected 19 year olds but they got the top prospect in baseball and then some for chris sale so you telling me that Corey kluber all he can fetch with three years left on his deal which is what sale had is the number 32 prospect in baseball and, like, a couple other pieces. Does that seem enough when it's framed that way? No, it doesn't. Not when it's framed that way. Because you, you would almost always take the the higher ceiling guy over the quantity. And the quantity is important, but I think you always want that yeah. that bigger centerpiece as a part of it. Well, so like, that's why you'd rather have Bellinger than, like, correct. Verdugo and three other good prospects. Well, here, the issue... It's kind of what we've been talking about as far as timelines converging between teams. They probably could do better if you're just looking at it from a prospect ranking standpoint. Every team ranks prospects different. They're not all reading MLB Pipeline and Baseball America and using that as the Bible. Some teams evaluate prospects differently. So that's why you might see it might be head-scratching for one team to make a trade. And they go, oh, well, this guy isn't very good, but maybe by their evaluations they think he's better. Sure. All of that aside. Like, that's Kluber. They liked his strikeout rate. They thought they could tweak some things with his mechanics, and, and he might be able to be a major league pitcher. He wasn't on the Padres' top 30 prospects. Right. But Everyone has different evaluations that they go by. But when you're trading Corey Kluber, you hope to get more than someone yes. who you identify as a My point being, you, they, if they made a trade with the Braves or they made a trade with the Reds, they could probably get back more value in a deal like that if they got back prospects that are a year, two years, three years away. Agreed. Than they could with the Dodgers, 
in this particular trade. And that's where it becomes this really difficult balance for them. Kind of getting back to the idea that yeah, you want to take the best package, but you also need to take the best package that is going to not completely cripple you from accomplishing your goals in 2019. Because yes, they want to stay as competitive and create as many chances to get to the postseason as possible. And there's value in that. But there's also a limited amount of time that Francisco Lindor is going to be playing shortstop for you. So you can't just completely look to the future. The division's wide open. You want to take advantage of that. You don't want to walk away in the middle of that just being right in your lap. Yeah. So it becomes this really difficult situation where you have to ask what's better, the better package as far as value goes or the guys that can slide in and help me next year. And I'm sure they're trying to find some way to balance both of those things. But maybe that leads them down to the path, as far as fake trades and speculation goes, maybe that leads them down the path to a three-team deal. Talk a little bit about that yesterday. You have a number of teams that would be interested in Kluber, Bauer, that don't align timeline-wise with the Indians. Who's to say that they can't work out something with another team? Uh, you know, There's plenty of teams that are looking to trade off major league pieces. Why can't they get on that? Why can't they take back the better package and then flip those prospects for things that are a little bit more of a proven commodity? Which is maybe the route they have to go. Because again, they're, they're looking for a fairly specific window of players. And that's what I mean. Like, is Verdugo the centerpiece that you want in a Kluber deal? Like, based on talent in a vacuum, possibly not. But he's such a good fit in terms of a major league ready piece. He'll be controllable. That's for, exactly what for they so. need. Yeah. And so, but. How, how far does that team fit? Raise his value, and does that meet up with what you want? So, if the Indians can, can work out a, a three team deal, that all that does is just increase the the number of scenarios that they can find what they're looking for. <laughs> I mean, if if you say you mentioned the Michael Brantley comp, and some people have said that. He has to show that he can adjust his batting profile a little bit, get the ball in the air a little bit more to increase his value, but certainly seems like a pretty safe prospect. Let's say he is Michael Brantley, somewhere in that realm. And, of course, Brantley had injury issues. But let's just say what you, what you kind of thought about as solid to peak Brantley throughout the years. Yeah. If he's that for six years, is that worth Corey Kluber for six years of that? If I gave you the guarantee you that he is three years of Kluber... It's close. Now, keep in mind, you're getting three years of Major League minimum contributions from this kid, too. So that turns into probably four pretty cheap years of an outfielder. That enables you to make moves elsewhere. That's, that's valuable in itself. Is it possible Kluber is more valuable in that scenario, but the Indians could still do that trade just based on roster and well, you're, I mean, you're not, need? And you're also getting back other pieces here. I just looking at the one for one if that is the guy that you're sort of building this trade around are you happy with that i don't know in a vacuum probably yes but knowing where the indians are positionally where they're structured into just the overall state of the game what maybe br- not what brand of vacuum i would say probably hoover mm. shout out to the fine folks down in stark county do they sponsor us yet <laughs> i was waiting on that uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I I would guess if something is going to get done, it gets done next week. But it's like when they made that three-team trade for Bauer, they did a lot of the groundwork at the winter meetings. And then about a week later, 
completed even, it. Was it even a week? Maybe less than a week. Shorter, yeah. Um, like that weekend or something like that. Yeah. But that was a similar situation where you had the Indians interested in Bauer. They knew Arizona was ready to move on, but they couldn't find a way to get together on And the Indians wanted to trade Chu. Well, Don't give it all away. They can read this on The Athletic pretty well, soon. Well, it didn't all line up. So that's where they had to bring in a third team. And that's what I'm just thinking about every scenario that could exist. It's a weird position to be in where two contenders are trying to make trades together. You're thinking about two teams that are contenders probably are run very, very well. So you're not going to swindle the other person. Right. It's a lot tougher. You know, there isn't that. There are a lot fewer teams that have, like, some clueless GM who you can take advantage of. Teams are so much smarter than they were even, like, five, ten years ago. And it's a daunting idea to put Kluber on another contender's postseason rotation. Yeah, that's what I kind of asked about Difficult that. Thing to like, could you really? I, and I know they always say we want to. We just have to focus on our roster, making it the best we can be. But like, if they were going to trade Kluber to the Yankees, like that's you have to consider that. It's a difficult pill to swallow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dealing him to the National League, it's an easier pill because there's a chance you wouldn't face the Dodgers in the World Series. Crazy shit happens. Guys get hurt. Um, so you would just be pushing off that chance further and further into the horizon. Uh, but, yeah, the Yankees, good chance you'll be playing them. Then you'd have to face the guy that's been shoving for you for years and all of a sudden could shove against you. It's tough. I don't envy their position. Any Vegas observations you guys have had worth mentioning? Still have not seen Terry Francona at the uh, blackjack table. I still think this is a weird setting for this. Yeah. The fact that we haven't been outside in a couple of days <laughs> has probably taken away my thought about this being Vegas. Right. Usually by two days in, you've made it up and down the strip and gone all these different places. We've been stuck in here uh, for the past day or so between here and the Luxor and Mandalay shops. It's about the only places we're allowed to go now. No, no, it's just a weird place to do this. We got to fun. venture to kind the food fun. court. Bite your tongue. We got to go all the way to the food court. Okay, what are your guys? As I'm staring, standing here looking at Johnny Rockets. I was not going to name drop them, but I'm, I'm not going to shit talk them. Johnny Rockets is fine food. It's a good hamburger. I mean, you have to really do some bad shit to a hamburger for me to not think that it's pretty good. Obviously, Johnny Rockets is a chain, so you get it all over the country. If a person were to say. I love Johnny Rockets hamburgers. They are my favorite hamburgers. There would be like this face from everybody else that you said that to, like, oh, but that's a chain. Oh, you can't like chain food. Is there anything wrong with picking favorites among chain foods? The, uh, the elitist of food that tell you you can't like, like if you just happen to like a chain pizza place, I can't think of one that I really, really love. But if somebody said they loved a chain pizza place, everyone goes, oh, God, that's terrible. How can you like that? Like, what if that's just like, what I like? I like Longhorn. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of people that It's not my favorite would... steakhouse. I'd rather go to, Texas like, Roadhouse. Red. <laughs> Texas oh, wow. Roadhouse. Like, Texas Roadhouse is amazing. Texas it's great. Roadhouse is I, I really enjoy I going there. I recently had a meal there. If I said that I enjoy going there, there would be some that go, oh, come on, that's a chain restaurant. you got to find some place that's a hole in the wall. Yeah, sure, those hole in the walls are fine, but... What if I just have my taste buds happen to like? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, they just something. It's they, convenient. They just opened a Raisin Cane's in Strongsville, and uh, Zach and I are basically keeping it open. 
Well, so a friend of mine texted myself and another friend a few weeks ago and said, for some reason I have a calendar alert that says the three of us are getting dinner at Texas Roadhouse on December 4th. I have no recollection of why this would be in here, uh, but how does that sound? And none of us had any clue, like, I don't remember saying this, but we were like, but none of us put up a fight. And nope. We all met there and we ate Texas Roadhouse. Nobody needs great. an extra reason. Yeah. I mean, how many times, honestly, how many times you go there, ask for the extra basket of bread, only so oh. you can load it in the box as you're taking it home, throw in that cinnamon butter in there. I also ate an entire bucket of peanuts. <laughs> I do that too, and now I have kidney stones. Oh God, there's nothing wrong if you like, just like what you like. That's my point. Okay. Don't let anyone tell you what you should and should not like. And to anyone that I've ever made a face when they say they like a certain thing, I apologize right now. All right. So like what you like. Going to Johnny Rockets for lunch. Let's do it. All right. Part two in the books. We will have a part three. Uh, all of your Selby's Godcast needs will be met this week. Uh, thanks for listening. You can listen, subscribe. Leave us a review, please. Five-star reviews earn you a beer if you ever run into us or we host some sort of gathering. And you can listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Spotify and Google Podcasts. Yeah. But really anywhere you have a podcasting app, yeah. just search Selby's Godcast. Any final words, Ryan? Let's get lunch. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're out.